Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe, and joining me as guest co-host this week is senior writer Sam Rutherford. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sherlyn. How you doing? We are post-Samsung today during the recording of this podcast. It is Thursday morning, and yesterday, Samsung had its unpacked second unpacked event of the year second one that matters anyway and it launched like five new products we're gonna dive into all of that this episode we also have a special guest here with us to to tear down what happened yesterday um we're also going to cover some other news this week do you know that ios 16 is maybe going to bring back the battery percentage symbol Uh, if you're hyped for that stick around if you've been enjoying the show please make sure you subscribe on your podcast catcher of choice leave us a review please on itunes and send us an email with your thoughts to podcast at engadget.com we also live stream the recording of this podcast every thursday at about 10 a.m eastern on the engadget youtube channel we can interact with you live take your questions and answer them. It's always a fun time, so come hang with us then. So yeah, the big event this week was Samsung's Galaxy Unpacked. We saw new foldables and wearables, and you really can't say the word foldables without big industry foldy boy nerd, Mr. Mobile himself, who is here as a guest this week to talk about everything Samsung with us. Hey, Mr. Mobile. Hey, Sherlyn. I'm changing my tagline forever. (laughs) Big industry foldy boy nerd. I love it. And I am very happy. You've almost cured my my small hangover. There you go. Uh, with humor, and I appreciate that. I love that you come right out the gate and admit that you're slightly hungover for our very professional sure, show. I, I got no secrets. I got no secrets for my friends at Engadget or their lovely audience. <laughs> I love this. All right, so we. I get. I'm guessing all three of us. I don't know if you did, uh, Michael Fisher. Hi, Sam. Oh, also w- yes. welcome. And and <laughs> yes, it's been a busy week, and uh, we're we're going to just dive into it. I guess right. We are. Uh, did you watch live stream, uh, the live stream yesterday, Mr. Mobile? I don't th- I don't think I did. I think I did. Yeah, I turned it on. Because I, de- I debuted my YouTube video with a premiere right. so that people can join live. I usually do that. And people are like, why do you do this during the event? And I'm like, because it's been 11 years of watching these events, and I just hate hate watching tech events. So let's all hang out. So I watched the end of it. Yeah. You know, I don't blame you for not watching it because the we some of us here had to sit through the whole thing. And it kicked off with a freaking Emily in Paris intro like first of all sam was like what is Emily yeah well, wait what, uh, uh fisher did, did you even catch that reference at all because i did, i missed it completely uh no, to right. explain it for those of you tuning in slash the two of you here on the podcast um 
Emily in Paris is a Netflix show about a marketing executive who moves from Chicago to Paris uh, to work for like a luxury marketing firm. Wait, wait doesn't she start and out as like an intern? She's like a junior executive okay, okay. at the at the American you know headquarters of the firm, and then you know the American company buys this like French company. Why do I know so much about the plot? Don't ask me. I don't know how many times I've seen this show. <laughs> Which is very embarrassing. Um, but anyway. I feel like I've seen this movie on the Hallmark Channel 85 times. Go pretty ahead. much, right? Yeah, they move to Paris, they fall in love, except it's not that simple. Anyway, uh, what Samsung did was hire some of the actors from the French marketing agency to act like they're trying to come up with a commercial for the flip and the fold. And they use a lot of very cheesy marketing words to be like, think outside the box. And then one of them uses like a French baguette to describe the flip. Like, you know, like a, a bread that can open and close, I guess. It's, uh, I'm so glad I didn't watch this. The sense just terrible. I'm kind of upset you didn't watch this. <laughs> no, I have no, no interest in this. Kind of. I mean, it, 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 Galaxy S4 vibes are what I'm getting now, except without the chauvinism. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. So, so anyway, I mean, neither of you caught the reference. I, even as someone who's watched the show a few times, did not need it there. So there you go. Um, <laughs> but on to the actual news, the real news. There was like 15 seconds of BTS. So that's the actual news. That's the only thing. We're done. We're done talking about Unpacked. We're good. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Sweet. All right. <laughs> yeah. No. Sometimes. Oh, there they are. There they are. are. BTS with the Bora Purple flip. Okay. That was all the celebrity appearances. But now for the actual products that were launched. Galaxy Z Flip 4 was the first thing that Samsung unveiled uh, yesterday at the keynote. Um, we, I mean, this is the smaller version of Samsung's pair of foldables. Uh what do you think, Mr. Mobile? This this isn't your like daily driver right now, right? You're the Flip Three is not your daily driver, right? Well, it is. So like I for the past year I've carried the Fold Three and the Flip Three concurrently, and the Razer Five G. Um, and I yeah, the Flip tends to be the weekend and um, and nights, like the nights and weekend phone, like the kind of off duty, don't want to be on my phone so much, and the Fold is like the work day, getting things done thing. So yeah, I've carried it for the past year. So you've been using both the Fold and the Flip just switching out during the weekend. Sam, you use more of the Fold, right? Do you have any like interest in checking out the Flip? Um I, I'm uh, I, I'm it's hard for me to like want to carry two phones around, especially since I'm doing it a lot for review purposes. So when I can get away with carrying a single phone, I, that's what I do. So the Fold 3 was, you know, my daily driver for pretty much almost exactly a year. I like the Flip more than I like the Fold. And th this year, let's like put this out there. I think everyone in the industry has said it. We've said this a couple times now, but the theme of Samsung's product launches this unpacked seems to be evolution or revolution or just refinement or excuse me over everything. And the Flip 4 is one clear example, right? Not much has changed here. They use like slightly more durable displays on the inside. The cover display, the cover screen is still like 1.9 inches, but it's got like some more widgets now. Uh, the cameras on the flip didn't get that many changes. It's really, really hard for me to kind of like list all the other differences or all the changes that came to the flip. Uh, is it like, it's like a little bit lighter, I believe. Uh, Mr. Mobile, any of the hardware changes here on the flip excite you? Yeah. You're no, you're 100% right. That like there are very, very few changes from a hardware perspective. The flip is the most iterative of the, the more iterative of these two. Um, you know, I, I kind of get it. I, I feel like Samsung hit such a home run with the flip three in terms of what you remember last year around this time when the flip three came out. I think 
it was kind of a love fest almost everywhere. Even the outlets that didn't, I forgot if it was TechCrunch or somebody was just like, I forgot who this reviewer was, just did not like the Flip 3 at all. But even in that thing, there was like a whole meaty section of the center where it's like, it actually does what it sets out to do and it does all these things right. So even the people who didn't recommend it still found a lot to like about it. So when you have a product like that and you're Samsung, you know, do you take the opportunity to have an S year and kick out basically the same thing with small refinements? Yeah, that's probably what we're seeing here. Yeah, right? I, and I, I, I mean, oh, so I was, like, was going to jump in real quick. I was like, I totally agree with you with, with the S year comment, which is like, it definitely feels like this is like, you know, for from the even going back to the fold and the flip, the f- original fold, the fold two, and the fold three, we got big generational jumps, and now we're maybe settling into like that TikTok cadence where. We have a big design change one year and then a refinement the next year. And then two years later, you know, you get that big revamp. I forgot to point out that the one actual hardware change I am interested in with the flip or I'm excited for on the flip four is the bigger battery. It's got a 3,700 milliamp hour cell now. And my biggest problem with the flip three was always that it just wouldn't last all day. So this what, 15% increase will probably take it into like 24 hour territory, I think. Um, maybe together with the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1. I don't know like what power efficiency improvement. Fisher, you look like you have something to say. Uh, definitely, yeah. Thank you. That was the that was the number one problem with the Flip 3 was that it, like, I, you know, I used it almost every day. It did not last almost any day, right? So 3,700 versus 3,300 milliamp hours in the capacity is great. But I was having a conversation with our friend David Amell last night, and he reminded me that the, the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 actually probably does bring enough efficiency improvements to, to, boost to give us some more battery life as well, too. So I, I really hope that's true. Sam, I I mean, first of all, when when, when you mentioned Mr. David Emel uh, Fisher, I was hoping you would do your impression, but never mind. We can do that next time. <laughs> no. So you do a very good impression of David Emel, um, of Thank course, you. since you've lived with him for so long. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was always the biggest reason I could never really um, recommend the flip to anyone like it's a really cool form factor i've taken it out to show everyone and everyone's just very entranced by the form factor um and this is the phone i feel like the mainstream user would prefer whereas you got the pro power user like yourself and sam you both seem more into the fold right and let's talk about the fold four sam can you list out the physical differences this time around with the fold four yeah so um and they're they're kind of subtle well, you know, similar to the flip, uh, there is a new Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 processor, which is great. The screen is a tiny bit brighter, the main screen. Um, the exterior screen is a tiny bit wider, um, it's maybe like three millimeters, if that. Um, and it's very subtle, but, you know, those are kind of physical changes. The hinge is a tiny bit smaller, and the, the frame around the outside of the edge is a bit boxier. And then, you know, they revamped the camera, so there's a new 50 megapixel main sensor. And I, personally, this is one of the small but like changes that like I'm actually kind of excited for is that they moved from a 2x optical zoom to a 3x optical zoom for the telephoto camera, which I uh, you know I really find useful. Um, and you know that's you know mo- mo- most of the big changes. But you know, like we said, it's like very much refinement, very much you know kind of polishing a lot of the little things um, with the phone. Mm-hmm. The under display camera is also another thing that Samsung says it's it's done a little differently. It's better camouflaged with the subpixel arrangement, um, which hopefully will make a difference in selfies that you use that camera for. In all your time with the Fold 4, uh, let's start with Mr. Mobile here. Have you used the under display camera to take a selfie? Doing it right now. Hold <laughs> on. Some, some live product okay, testing. Okay, I just took a shot. 
You send this song yeah. so we can put it up on the screen. So here's the thing. Um, it's I will I will happily send it to you. There is so much processing that goes on when you take the photo because the camera is looking through that pixel mat still. First of all, when you fire up the camera, no matter how clean your display is, and you activate that under display selfie camera, the phone will tell you to clean your lens. I cannot believe that Samsung ships it like this because it's like, I, I, it's a good tool to have when you have a conventional camera lens, but it's like it's seeing the the distortion from the from the display. So that's annoying. Um, and then you take the photo and you watch it process it, and like the processing is so important for it to like recomposite this thing. It looks, you know, not great. I think Max Weinbach was tweeting this morning. It's like, oh, it's it's better. And uh, Max, I we will have to do a little side by side com- comparing because I I don't know that it looks better enough to say it looks better yeah. than anything. It's terrible. Right? And, and it, the weird thing about it is like. Like the way I kind of think about it, it's like they, uh, it's like beauty mode has been turned on to the max. And so everything looks yeah. kind of super smooth. Nothing's really super sharp. Um, but it, you know, if you give it, give it a quick look, you're like, oh, it might be okay, but it actually looks kind of dated. And I don't know about you, but like, would you ever consider them just removing the interior under display camera entirely? Because, you know, there's a, a selfie camera on the exterior of the device. And if you want to take selfies, that's how you do it. So I was, I was actually going to make the opposite point. Um, like I, I, we have to understand what Samsung's intention is for this inner camera. You're, you're absolutely right. You've got a cover camera selfie shooter for conventional ones. And then you can do that crazy butterfly mode thing. If you really want to take a great selfie, you can use the main camera array for that and use the outer display as a viewfinder. So this thing under the display is really only meant for video calls and they don't need to be that great. So I get, right, I get it. Um, it's just, in that case, I guess they've done what I wanted them to do, which is make it a little bit better camouflaged. I just would, I would like more quality as well, because ZTE has demonstrated that it can, it can do both. It can make it almost invisible and also increase the quality somewhat. It's still not a good camera, but. We, I want to get into like all three of us have had some of these devices on hand for a little bit now, maybe like just under 24 hours. I would like to talk a little bit about our experience so far. But before we get to that, I still want to kind of run down the news, the improvements that are, are here uh, just for the people that are not all caught up. So, Sam, what other differences on the uh, Fold 4 would you shout out, whether there's software or hardware? Um, so the software is actually kind of a big deal. Um, it's, you know, mm-hmm. running uh, Android, Android based on Android 12L. And that, you know, promises a lot of, you know, optimization improvements for the, that foldable display. That said, um, you know, it's going to take some time to really figure out what those are. There's a new taskbar, um, which is really interesting. And uh, I'm going to actually get back to that one real quick. The, the main screen is supposedly 45% stronger um, uh, due to some kind of rejiggering to the, you know, the display construction. That's pretty hard to test, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did they tell you anything else about that? I asked them. I was like, guys, can you just clarify? You said 45% stronger, and then you rushed on to the next thing. Well, how is it 45% stronger? And they were like, uh, we'll go um, uh, <laughs> So from what I understand is they, they re, um, repositioned some of the layers uh, of the ultra-thin glass and the polymers that they use to make the flexible display. And so somehow that reconfiguration is increasing the, the durability. And, you know... It's it's oh, it's really right. hard to tell. Yes, and, and the sponges. I'm not sure how that how much that factors in. There are new sponges just behind the display that are designed to make sure that you know when you press it, it doesn't feel as squishy. Which 
actually hasn't really been a huge issue on the, the Fold 3, so I'm you know not sure how much of a difference that's going to make. And for impact resistance too, right? So when you drop it, it has a little bit. And then they, they took out the metal layer. I just saw you guys very helpfully played a clip from the, from the um, Unpacked where they took out the metal layer, replaced it with fiber-reinforced plastic mm-hmm. or something. So, okay, yeah. So they really have re-engineered a lot of what's underneath that screen. Not only underneath the screen, but also slightly on top of it, we were able to ask Samsung like what they did with the screen protector because Sam, you know, Sam had has had so many issues like everyone else with the screen protector over long term use. Sam, fill everyone in. What Sam? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we want to get into like our our horror stories and experiences with the the full three <laughs> bubbling screen, but um, so. Obviously, like I think durability is a big concern for foldables in general. And so, you know, last year they switched to a new protector that uh, had a new material. And this year they didn't change that, although they said there is a new adhesive um, but that they're using that should be stickier. And they said there's a new application process that they're using at the factory to make sure that that uh, screen protector binds better with the actual flexible display. Theoretically, that should help prevent bubbling. You know, that said, we're going to have to, you know, it's going to take some time to see how that actually holds up. Music to my ears. Yeah. The, I, my issue with Fold 3 and Flip 3 was that the protector started lifting. Right. Oh, okay. So, so let's, just, let's just dive really? into this because I, I was watching your yeah, hands-on video and you're talking about like Same. your experience over the last year with your devices. And it sounds like you have a very similar experience to me where we started, you know, we started noting that there's like the, the screen protector was peeling back a little bit. And Samsung says you're not supposed to remove that on your own, even though some people do. Um, but, you know, theoretically, the guidelines are don't do that. Um, and then you you took it in and you got the screen protectors on your flip and your fold replaced. And kind of kind of tell me about how that experience went. Yeah, it was really great because I live in New York City. If I lived anywhere else, it would not have been great. Yeah, I feel um, like you know, Jersey City Samsung... is pretty cool. It's, right, uh, it's, it's in the area, area. <laughs> but, you know, if, yeah. uh, uh, Ben, I, I got a little problem. I can't hear Sherlyn oh, anymore. Really? You know, I think uh, she just started spouting some nonsense and then she disappeared. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they, they, I called up Samsung. I was like, Hey, my screen protector is getting wonky. And they're like, Oh, go to your, you break. I fix. I'm like, cool. There is one very close to me. And I went, but you break. I fix did not have the screen protector in stock. Uh, it was back ordered. They didn't know when they would get one. So if I didn't live where I lived or if I didn't live where, where we all live, I wouldn't have had really any other option other than to send it in and like my fold too, be without it for a week for a, for a Samsung turnaround. But I did go to Samsung 837. They had a little repair truck out there. And I've laughed, Sam, when you were saying, yeah, Samsung advisors, you don't take the screen protector off yourself. They do, like, they write a whole paragraph <laughs> on how you're, you're, you're going to ruin the whole world if you pull that thing off. And I give it to the technician at the service center. And the first thing he does just thoughtlessly is just like rips that <laughs> protector right off that screen. Like, it, like, like picking up a newspaper off the floor. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I did that on my Fold too. It wasn't a big deal. So, yeah, they swapped out both protectors. It took 90 minutes. It was free, a warranty replacement. They told me if I wanted to do it again, it would be 20 bucks. But under warranty, it was free once. Um, and it was actually a really great experience in that way. Unfortunately, I later learned that the technician had, had a little edge of a thumb knit, thumbprint caught under one of the edges, and it's now it's a big, ugly bubble. Um, but that's the technician's fault. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a problem with yeah, the process. And, and <laughs> yeah, kind, kind of jumping off that, it's like, you know, I think you mentioned that you had, like, mentioned, uh, found someone else who was a fold user when you were getting yours repaired, and, like, they were kind of experiencing similar issues. And I, I ran into the same thing. Like, when I went to try to get mine repaired... Um, I didn't have time to like wait for the repair, so I have to go back later. But you know, there was three other people in line ahead of me, all had folds, all were getting their screen protectors replaced. And so this is not just like something that like us like phone weirdos are are like experiencing. 
And the funny thing is, is that right after I got like about two weeks after I got the Fold 3, uh, this, and this was totally my fault. Like I, I, I dropped the phone and it caught on the edge of like a table and uh, caused a wrinkle in the screen protector. So I'm like, OK, no, no, like no big deal. Like, you know, I live in Jersey City. I can go I can go to that Samsung A37 and I show up and they go, oh, we don't ha- not only do we not have the screen protectors in stock, we don't have the machines that they use to install the screen screen protectors yet. So it's like right after the phone comes out, it's even more difficult to get it repaired because sometimes they don't have the uh, materials or the equipment to do it. Um, and so it's like the, the, the experience is just really kind of wonky um, in terms of like that customer is like, 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 like you said, kind of on your hands on. It's like it's a premium device. You kind of expect some sort of premium service level of service. It's so true. And, you know, I think this is one thing where we really like I am. I will stand up for foldables pretty much against every every criticism that I think is unfair. I think one of the fairest criticisms you can make is that these are very special devices and they're still very expensive, but the support experience needs to be there to back that up. Also, Samsung has pivoted these devices from these ultra premium things. Do you remember, guys, the first fold and the second fold, you would buy them and they'd be like, you bought a fold, so you get a BMW. Yep. <laughs> you get fancy chocolates well, you in the got mail. A BMW? And you get a fancy wow. Did you actually yeah, you didn't ever your, use any of those yeah. perks? There was like, like, you could get like a free cake from like a nice bakery and stuff like that. Got like a f- yeah, free yeah, yeah. dessert. Yeah, like you could, yeah, every three months you had a new, th- like it was a special app, right? And it is shocking how quickly that turned into like unboxing these things yesterday. And I was like, oh, crappy cardboard box, crappy little sleeve, one cable, no wall wart, not even like a welcome thing. Like it's, Samsung has just leaned so hard into we're now going to mainstream these things. And fine, you know what? I love it. The more foldables, the better. But then you have to be ready to support it. Um, and I think... I guess it, if there's a silver lining, then if all those people in line with you were replacing their screen protectors, then it's good that there there is a factory installed screen protector there, um, so that because that's a much easier repair than lifting out the yes, whole display, absolutely. which is still more fragile. So it's good to have the PET on there. So whatever. I like that that we spent like a significant amount of time talking about that screen because a it's one of the like biggest changes coming uh, to the Z Fold 4 and B, it is probably what's going to affect your experience of the foldable uh, the most. I mean, I think the cameras are, are, are good. It's good that they've upgraded the cameras to the similar sensors as on the S series, uh, the S22 series, but I think we we needed to talk about this and, and we have even more. I, I have so many more questions about like the software for you guys. I do want to run through like what else Samsung unveiled to like there is a pair of watches, the Galaxy Watch 5 and Watch 5 Pro. Um, these are I mean, I'll just tell you all what is different, right? This is the Watch 5 replaces the Watch 4, which is like the watch active sort of thing where it's the most lightweight, the most uh, minimal kind of watch that Samsung makes. Um, it runs Wear OS 3.5 that Samsung co-engineered with Google. The real big hardware changes here are, again, it's like a more durable, right? It's got a, a sapphire crystal glass display and uh, the underside of the device, which is where the sensors are, um, Samsung has tweaked the curvature here so it should sit more snugly or it should have more contact uh, surface area with your wrist and they've added a skin temperature sensor, but it won't be something you can use at launch. This is something that I don't think they need necessarily like FDA approval, but they don't seem to have implemented any actual apps that make use of this yet. So 
Cool. Thanks for the new feature that isn't really a new feature at the moment. Um, the Watch 5, uh, everyone was kind of worried about this, uh, especially if you're like a Samsung Watch fan. But everyone was like, where did the physical bezel go? To be clear, the Watch 4 didn't have a physical bezel, but it also had this touch-sensitive like border around the screen that you can use to navigate through your apps and scroll through things. And the Watch 5 has that too. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the touch bezel i prefer the physical bezel myself and hopefully it comes back if you if you want that you can still buy the watch 4 classic because it's not also not on the watch 5 pro uh mr mobile and sam i know sam uses a galaxy watch mr mobile do you use a galaxy watch i don't no i mean a, a garmin and I, I i'm always reviewing different wear os watches so like um i like I like the physical bezel too and i i'm going to miss it it's, it's always great when you can use a control element without looking at it because you could feel out a bezel and it's so satisfying to click it around. Oh, yeah. Just, I, just, it's such a nice piece of watch. Yeah, legacy, I just, right? I just yeah. sit there and spin it sometimes just because it's like it's, it's, it's like a built-in fidget toy. <laughs> fidget spinner, absolutely, yeah. So, But you know what? I, I'm glad they kept the virtual one at least because it is, it is – we're at Generation 5. It is intuitive enough if you've used enough of these things that you know you can scroll through a big list by running your finger around it. So I'm glad we at least have that. Um, yeah, I don't it, – it, I've, I've – not I've never been a big fan of Samsung's software. It's UI on its wearables. I think it's good. It's just not my style. Um, and the same goes for the hardware. So I'm looking forward to reviewing it. It's just I'm also looking forward to getting back on a watch that I that I prefer. What's the watch that you prefer? The Garmin? Uh, yeah, yeah, the eighteen hundred dollar watch that oh. I uh, did, oh, didn't buy with my own money. Okay. So uh, yeah, weird, uh, right? Uh, so of course uh, you prefer. Strange. Wow, so surprising and morally <laughs> ethical of you. Anyway, the Galaxy Watch. <laughs> wait, wait, oh wait, boy, wait, wait. I'm not gonna wait. Uh, got, having that problem again, oh. Sherlyn just dropped right off. Oh. Yeah, like, yeah, I dropped right off a cliff. Uh, Galaxy <laughs> Watch Five Pro um, is a new entrant to the Galaxy Watch series. Though so this is like something that Samsung finally did that was actually new and different. Um, it is a forty-five millimeter version of the galaxy watch 5 but it's also like more durable it's got a slightly stronger sapphire crystal glass than the regular galaxy watch 5 it's using a titanium case it's got a d buckle that like clasps uh, more securely and snugly into place um and like i said it's 45 millimeters so it's bigger but the most interesting thing about the galaxy watch 5 pro and Kurt, I, I think you two agree with me but let's see is the fact that it has a 590 milliamp hour battery in there that samsung promises will last up to 80 hours we don't know what that number is derived from if if, if if you know all your other smartwatch type of features have to be disabled to hit that number or if that's right exactly like regular use um and i'm also not sure if the screen is a little bit brighter right because samsung said this is designed for the great outdoors outdoor use so you've got like some outdoor specific exercises they've added in there like like you know what apple introduced on the watch o on the most recent version of watch os which is like route specific workouts like biking or running if you've if you've repeated a specific route a lot of times that'll save to your watch and then you can just start it again the next time and it would like tell you when you're going off course or it'll help you get back easily uh i see mr mobile rubbing your temples do you even work out bro oh <laughs> wow hey sam you, yeah. you just want to like hang out by yourself yeah it's just, no it's just, uh, just this weird like squeaking <laughs> in my ear i don't know what's going on <laughs> no, you know what? I, I love all these features, Sherlyn, and I thank you for reminding me about most of them. But I saw the Pro yesterday for the first time, and what I didn't expect from the way Samsung described this watch, what I didn't expect was to for my first question to be to this person who had the Pro, oh, is that the Pro? Huh. I couldn't tell. Huh. Because 
like uh, it, just from my perspective, if you're going to make a watch that does all these things, that is for the great outdoorsman, then or the outdoors person, make it like give it a different style. Make it Casio chunk. Give it that bezel. Like do something different. You know, like I feel like the one of the reasons I don't like the Galaxy Watch line is because it's it's kind of it's become more and more minimal, which is to say to me more and more forgettable. So I think there was an opportunity with the Pro to be like, let's just make this big, you know, maybe Garmin-esque kind of thing. And instead, it's just a fatter version of this kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's a watch. Like, I don't know. It's maybe it's me. I think Sam was a little more excited about the Watch 5 Pro than you are, right, Sam? Uh, I mean, a little bit. I, I mean, I think your your criticism of, like, the 5 Pro being just a bigger version of the 5 is, like, kind of spot on. Um, it, it definitely, that's what it is. Like, you can't, unless you, like, really, like, like touch it and, like, get to know it, like, you don't notice that this is a titanium frame. That's not something that jumps out at you. Um that said, like I'm, you know, my preference is like I like that more minimalist look. Um, uh, I think for the for, for the on the record, like I think the Gear S2 was probably the best Samsung smartwatch, like looks wise, they ever made. Just personally for me, I really like that really clean minimalist aesthetic. Um, but in so like it, it's and it's interesting because like you said, you're wearing a Garmin watch, and this it seems like Samsung is kind of go after that market with the Watch Five Pro, and so it's like. It's interesting that like you say it's like oh it doesn't it doesn't feel like it really hits that demographic and I think you're definitely right because it doesn't have that like you know it doesn't call out to people who are the hikers and you know the bikers and who who really want something that's like feels more rugged it doesn't it doesn't give off that vibe to me no, yeah, not at all. Like, you don't have five pushers on the sides that you can reassign. You don't have a crazy dual-level display like Mobvoi or Casio do have done. You don't have any enhanced styling. And you're right, the titanium doesn't jump out. I was just wearing the Mont Blanc Summit 3 for a while, and you can't tell it's titanium until you put it on, and it's lighter, mm -hmm. right? So it's just, yeah, I mean, it, again, if you're going to do this, then if you're going to do something different, then why not, why not make it distinctly visually and aesthetically different? Um, to to enhance that kind of specialty focus, but I mean, I guess you could always buy the golf edition, right? Well, the golf edition isn't that different either. Like, let's be honest, no, it's not. right? The golf edition. By the way, I, I got this wrong in my hands-on video, which. Uh, First of all, I wanted to talk about on this podcast how Samsung gives you different information on the briefing and then at the hands-on and then afterwards when the press releases come, it's just like three different versions of the same information. Um, but anyway, what I got wrong was that I thought the Golf Edition only existed for the Pro version of the watch, but it actually exists for the Watch 5 in 40 and 44 millimeters as well. The main difference between the Golf Edition and its regular you know, counterparts is that it's got a different strap. So the strap has like the little stripe pattern on it, and it's got some. It's got a, like a unlimited membership to the Smart Caddy app, which will I get, believe come preloaded on the Golf Edition of the watch. So, wow! Like I mean, yeah. that's it. Like you. Hooray. That's and then back to yeah, your point, like Mr. Mobile, that you were saying. Um, basically, when it's not when when Samsung released this watch, it wanted to do something different, but it didn't go all out and do something extremely different. It just was like being very safe while taking this small risk. And that's what Samsung is doing this year overall too, right? All of the changes are very safe. These are, we don't want to rock the boat. We think we're in a good place. And they really need some competition coming in to really push them, I think, to take more chances. Uh, and I want to I want to pick your brain, Mr. Mobile, about the competition because I feel like you have more experience than the rest of us on this podcast about uh, what else is out there. I know I've saved a lot of things for last now, so I'm I'm just gonna like push that, throw that a little further down this episode. We'll get back to it. I will remember for sure. 
Last thing that Samsung unveiled yesterday is the Galaxy Buds 2 Pro. Although I also saw at another Samsung presentation, they called it the Buds Pro 2. <laughs> they, they don't even know the names of their own devices. But according to all the materials I've seen that were not at the Samsung 837 event, it is the Buds 2 Pro. These are like smaller Galaxy Buds, but they come with uh, active noise cancellation. They come with like, they support 24-bit streams, um, just much better sound quality. Uh, they're promising as well as fit. I personally, when I tried uh, briefly put on one of these uh, earbuds at the hands-on event, I like them. Uh, Mr. Mobile, do you care about the, one, the Buds no. 2 Pro? Okay. All right, that's it. If you care more about the Buds 2 Pro, you can check out Billy Steele's article on our uh, website, Engadget.com. But for the rest of this episode, we are not going to talk about the Galaxy Buds 2 Pro. We will jump right back, though, to our experience with these devices now that we've had them like a little bit, right? I've been using the Flip 4, which I'll be reviewing for Engadget.com. Sam's got the Fold 4. Uh, Mr. Mobile probably has everything under the sun. I do want to brag. I have the Watch 5 Pro that I think not a lot of people. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I didn't You're bringing up the shade already. You. Uh, wow. So if you want, the early, one of the earlier reviews of the Watch 5 Pro will be here at Engadget.com. So definitely shoot me your questions. Um... So far, though, I've been using the Watch 4 uh, more than the uh, the Watch 5 more than the Watch 5 Pro just because I it's been 24 hours or less and I want to test the smaller one first. Um, so far, either of you have any problems with the Fold 4 or anything that you like particularly you want to call out? Uh, I mean, it's so early. I want to th I want to thank you for trying to get me on next week so that we would have had time with it. Unfortunately, I had a time conflict. So this we're still like 20 less than 24 hours you in. Have a right. Life? So damn. All right. <laughs> so no problems um, from from my end so far. Um, what I've found mostly is just the added conveniences that have kind of snuck in without me being ready. Normally I'm all set. I set up the phone and I've got notes ready and I'm ready to just take every first impression. It's been too busy to do that. So setting up for this podcast, I just put the spec sheets for the phones up on the screen of the Fold 4 and I put that alongside my own notes from the briefing. And... I don't know if it's the Android 12L or the Samsung enhancements, but it's really made it a lot more fluid, a lot more seamless to hop in and out of different things while multitasking on the Fold 4. So that's cool. I've been having a positive experience for the last 22 hours. What about, what about yeah, you? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you completely. I really like what they've done with the new taskbar. It's I think just the animation where it changes from your standard like uh, you know app tray on your home screen, and then you go into an app and it minimizes, but it's so it's still there. It's really really slick, and so this reminds me. I wanted to ask you: Do you so how much have you gotten into the new multitasking gestures? Because there's some new things where you can you know drag icons up from that taskbar and instantly launch into the multi view mode. And there's a couple other ones, and I'm not even sure I found them all yet. Um, about like you can launch right into. Um, uh, like windowed mode, and there's a new app pairing procedure, which I have not c figured out at all yet. Yeah, I haven't figured out the, the nuts and bolts of that at all. But again, like I, I haven't had to think today. Like I was talking to you guys while I was putting the stuff up on the fold screen. And again, I've got Chrome next to Evernote. And then when I duck out of that, like, first of all, when you swipe up and you think the taskbar is going to get in the way, that was my first thing. I was like, you guys are moving the taskbar into the Android gesture area. You are high and drunk. What are you going to, what are you doing? It, it's great. It, it's never screwed up once. Like it knows what a home gesture is and it gets out of the way. That's pretty cool. And then when I hop into another app like Telegram and then I come back, it's very easy to just tap that app pair again. And it's, it's not stuttering. It's not awkward. It's, it's, it's just. 
Well, well, it just works, trademark. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it feels great. Uh, and yeah, like the software really feels like it's gotten some of the biggest improvements. You know, like you said, I still, you know, I still want to dive into see how they've changed flex mode because I think that's been kind of a long standing wish that a lot of foldable users have. It's like, let us, let us do more with this form factor, with this ability to fold the display in half and, and stuff like that. And it seems like, you know, they're, you know, now three years in, four years in, like they're starting to kind of hit their stride with like the collaborations with Google and Microsoft and whatnot. Um, but, you know, we want to see, I want to see that trickle down more to third party. And I think, you know, just, and this is something that like doesn't get, you know, talked about a ton is like the availability, the support for Android 12L, I think is going to really unlock that ability for a lot of developers who may have wanted to do something like that, but didn't necessarily have the tools to do it. I hope you're right for sure. It, Go ahead, Sherlyn. No, you're fine. It seems like we're reaching maturity. I, I do want to see what you both think of the touchpad in flex mode that they introduced. Um, right? Because like I, when you set it up as so-called like a faux laptop uh, with a screen half folded, folded with like a sort of keyboard type setup, right? With the top half of the screen being where the content is and the bottom half is the trackpad control area. I found, I mean, Brian pointed out, Brian, our video producer pointed out to me that like, uh, isn't it easier to just poke at the top half of the screen as opposed to using this fake trackpad at the bottom? So if you're setting it up on a table, it seems a little not super useful, but if you're holding it up with one hand, then that's when it feels like if you've got the screen half folded like that and you're trying to navigate the top half uh, with the bottom half, it feels a little bit more useful, but this is not something I can tell. I mean, I don't have the device on me anymore, um, but I do really like the addition of flex mode and that touchpad uh, to the Flip 4. I mean, it's it just because I'm using the Flip 4 so much more as a one-handed device. The fuck, sorry, did I just swear? Uh, freaking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you said you're going to do it uh, at the beginning of the show, so, you know, it was going to happen eventually. Yeah. Yeah, I I really enjoy how like I'm surprised how much I enjoy using the Flip Four in what you describe as banana phone mode, Mister Mobile, where like it's kind of just half bent, and I the other, I was eating dinner and I was I had a TV on and I had to scroll Reddit at the same time because this is my life. This is what I do. I watch TV, eat, and read Reddit. And I was reading it on my Pixel 6 Pro at first, laying out next to my dinner bowl. I was like, I can't, I, this angle is wrong. This is a really weird angle for me to be reading long blocks of text. And I was like, wait, I have the fold. So I propped the top screen up, like, you know, half bent, and I set it next to my, and I just used the bottom half to scroll, and it was beautiful. Yeah. I could read yeah. more easily. I could scroll easily. This is so far, I just, like, just a few hours with this thing and I really like see yeah I'm doing it right now like I'm using the the flex mode panel with the trackpad and I'm like just moving Isn't this windows like yeah. mouse arrow around my my browser and I am obsessed it is like someone pointed out to me that it's just like LG did on the wing you had a trackpad thing and you had a, a mouse pointer I'm like oh that's what it, it felt vaguely familiar and I liked it on that phone a lot too like it's really really cool and to speak to the earlier point like uh, no it's in my experience it's not easier to just to just tap something on the top half of the screen when you're folded because you're not often you're not always sitting back like leaning back in the cut on your couch just chilling like sometimes you're on an airplane tray table and you're way above the screen so it's easier to interact with the bottom half so like it's really good to have these these added user interface elements and i think they make flex mode panel actually useful Instead of last year where I was like excited and I did the review, I'm like, I might use this and then never did because it didn't have a, a trackpad mode. I think the trackpad mode will really make this very helpful. I'm excited for you both to test it out more in depth. Um, the other thing that I've used the Z Flip for already is like as my um, 
mini little self tripod video camera. Um, I propped it up at the gym and me and some of my gym friends we were like doing TikTok style videos already. We're like, oh, oh let's yeah. jump on the medicine ball one by one in a row. Uh, you've got that footage to look forward to in our review video. No, I'm never going to release it. It's, it's unless there's a Snyder <laughs> cut. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very fun of a phone to review, right? Compared to all the different phones that the three of us, you know, that comes across our, our plates uh, all the time. How stoked are you to review these devices? Let's start with you, Sam. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely excited. Um, and and to, like, to me, because of the refinement and like Samsung's big push to make this mainstream, this feels like a jumping point for mo- normal people, not like phone nerds, to like maybe start considering getting a foldable. Like they like you know, especially with the flip, you know, they made the price really attractive last year, and I think that's one of the reasons. Like there was like so much excitement about it, and it's definitely super stylish. And so it's like, oh, it, it feels like this is like where that entry point is for the average consumer. And so I think, kind of looking at it from that standpoint, I think is very interesting. Um, and then just like. You know, for, for kind of like what Mr. Mobile said, it's like, you know, I, I'm kind of a defender of, of the foldable things, uh, of foldable devices as well. And, you know, aside from the, the screen protector, the bubbling issue, you know, I, I really want to make a, a point that is like these phones are actually incredibly durable outside of that because, you know, you don't use a case on your phone. I don't use a case on my phone. And, yeah, I've got some scuffs and some scratches, but like. I've beaten this phone up more than pretty much any other phone I've owned, and it's actually holding up yeah. surprisingly well. Absolutely is. I yeah, I said that in my hands on an awful lot. Like my flip, just I was literally in a in a river getting rained on, and I put it on a muddy rock and got dirt in the thing to get a selfie. Like I did everything you shouldn't do with the flip, and I've spent a year basically saying like, well, whatever. I mean, maybe it'll break, and it hasn't. Like it's not. People talk about the durability of these things, and they are right to. And as we talked about for our whole service and repair section, it's it's important. But I feel like people think you have to treat these things with kid gloves, and you right. do not. Not anymore. And, and just one of the big reasons yeah. I upgraded to the fold is because you know I had a kid right around the same time that phone came out and it's like that water resistance like you know my, my kid has like peed on it he's vomited it on it and it's like it's it's like i put i just i just oh. run it under the faucet and wash it off and it's totally good uh sam what we need look, i'm sorry i'm like i'm like i can't keep my phone in a different room from the kid so like you know i need to have it on me and sometimes like you know, you don't know when a little little baby is gonna throw up. It just happens, and so it's like it's true. It's true. But like having you're making new dad them so appealing. So I can't <laughs> but wait. But just, just having that peace of mind where it's like, oh, this phone is like actually kid proof. Where like the original fold and the fold two, you always felt it was like you had to treat it with like the the the, the preciousness of a Faberge egg. It's like you know it, we, we don't we don't have that anymore. I want to point out that your kid also did throw up on me, which was not a big deal. It was, but this, this is true. You cannot control when kids and where and when kids throw right. up. So you, there you, you go. You, um, you think I'm talking crazy. <laughs> You've experienced it firsthand. I have. Exactly. Mike, when are you going to... Just my mother's voice just echoing <laughs> Mike. When are you going to have a kid, Mike? I want grandkids. No. No. <laughs> I have too many foldable phones to have a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Speaking of too many foldable phones, I want to get back to that point about competition, Mr. Mobile. Um, what? So we, we've just spent this entire episode so far talking about how far Samsung has come. But it feels to me, at least, that like the rest of the competition does not measure up in terms of making progress. In your experience, because you've seen so many more of these than us, is that true? Is, have they made more progress elsewhere? Yeah, that's been my position for a little bit. I think the thing is, like it's it it 
can be contradictory. We kind of have to hold these two con conflicting um, ideas in our heads. Like all the improvements we've talked about so far in these things are important, and probably a lot of them are going to make for really great foldables. And Samsung continues to do great work in that regard. But in the same time, because there's no other meaningful foldable competition here, it feels like they just they can do a year like this where it feels very iterative and, and almost boring. If they weren't foldables, that would be a, quite a dull year right. for me. Um, because either because of market forces or political forces, like some of these great competitors cannot come to the U.S. I'm thinking specifically of the Oppo Find N, this w wonderful little compact foldable that sort of splits the difference between the flip and, and, and book style foldables. That is a wonderful device specifically with regard to its screen fold. You know, it doesn't have the deep crease that the, the Samsung mm. phones do. And it has a couple other uh, enhancements. And I think it was pretty fairly cheap compared to compared to the Fold. I think it was 1500 when it launched. And then the Vivo X Fold, which is this crazy thing. And if you've not seen these things, folks, I get it. I'm just spouting nonsense brand names at you. But you, and, and I, I won't pimp my own video. Find out whatever coverage you want. But that was one of my favorite videos to shoot. Like that, that Vivo Find X, Vivo Fold X, Vivo X Fold. Um, just this leather back and this insane camera array and this huge battery and, again, a crease that is less visible, I mean, way less visible, and a bigger display area front and back and some better software ideas in some... Like, it is the phone I would buy if it were offered here. I would have ditched the Fold for it. But I can't. And nobody can because they're not sold here. So it, that's annoying. And we just got a, what, new news this morning about Motorola uh, revealing its new Razer exclusively for China. Well, that's fun. It's stupid. Um, but like the same thing on the flip phone side, the Huawei, the P50 pocket isn't coming here. The, um, the TCL Chicago was canceled. Like Samsung d needs to feel some heat because as somebody said to me um, from Samsung, actually, he was like, yeah, I actually agree because I think Samsung does its best when it feels they need that pressure. Yeah. Um, yep. And yeah, like you don't want to get complacent. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think the competition could really apply some of that pressure if it were if it were sold here and it's yeah, a shame and, that it's and not. if you look at it if you you know if samsung was able to take you know certain bits and pieces from those competitor uh, foldables that aren't available then you'd be like oh man we're seeing a huge uh you know jump in terms of like you know decrease the visibility uh decrease the visibility of the crease but like you know try yeah. try new materials on the back and like you know it's like as you, as you as you mentioned with the vivo it's like I, w I really want to see like a really, really premium camera setup on the Fold, s closer to what you get on like the S22 Ultra. And it's like, there's still that gap between this phone is way more expensive than the S22 Ultra, but the camera experience isn't quite as good. And that just doesn't feel great from a consumer standpoint. Completely agree. Yeah. And I, I think uh, it's, it, it was a puzzling decision also for Samsung not to change the look of the camera module this year for Fold 4. Because if you look at the Fold 4 next to the Fold 3, they look identical on the back. But those camera enhancements are actually, as you said earlier, like they are significant and they could be big. I'm, I'm really surprised they didn't like accent that visually to drive that point home because that's going to hurt them a little bit, I think, in perception. They're being a little bit lazy, right? They're like a little bit like coasting right now. Well, you said this in the watch section, and sorry, thank you for reminding me. Well, I think what they're doing is saving money. I think we heard a couple years ago that Samsung was on this like massive internal push to cut costs. And I think that's what we're seeing. You have a Golf Edition watch where the only difference is really the band right? and the paint job. You've got this, like, we don't have to change the tooling for the camera module because it we, that would cost money. I really feel like they're trying to maximize 
profits in a way. That's what it feels like to me, uh, a non-economist with a theater degree who um, just makes YouTube videos. That should be your new... Back back to you, actual reporters. (laughs) new lower third. (laughs) Michael Fisher, a non-economist with a theater degree. I love that. That's all I'm going to call you from now on. I do want to point out that someone in our live chat, quite a few people, but including Ken Ken Sai, uh, brought up the Xiaomi Mi Mix Fold 2. Have you had any experience with that one? Oh, that's the one that's like coming out today or something. That's this crazy... Because I tried the Mi Mix, the first Xiaomi Mi Mix. I did cover that. That was the YouTube video where David Kogan and I ate a lot of pizza. Uh, Again, not <laughs> but invited. Mi but Mix, okay, no, <laughs> now, yeah. So, well, you're over there in Jersey. You're so far away. Uh, it, it, like, this thing looks impressive. Xiaomi's been teasing it. Uh, and I will have to buy it because they don't, they don't have a send me anything. But it looks um, very thin and it looks like it has a huge battery. So great point. Thank you, chat. Like, we should not forget that that's out there. Unfortunately, Xiaomi makes... I think the least effort of anyone to to ensure that Western outlets, that some Western outlets know about its foldable ambitions. Yes. Let me see what I can do for you there, Mr. Mobile. Well, and, and on top of that, Xiaomi was talking about like 10 years ago, they're like, oh, we're going to we're going to come yep. to the U.S. market. We're going to come to North America. And every year it's like, oh, wait, where's Xiaomi? Still not here. Still not here. And it's like, you know, and Xiaomi makes a great product. And it's like it would it yeah. would be great to have that as an option. Um, but, you know, sadly, not really, uh, that, that's still not the case. I do wish we had more time to really, really pontificate on all of that stuff because a lot of Chinese brands make great things and they can't come over here for several reasons. Uh, Xiaomi does come over with its wearables sometimes and they're sold on Amazon. Um, like the, the little and some of it's and like stuff, uh, super cheap. Uh, home theater products too. Exactly. And they have smart rice cookers. Come on. Xiaomi makes a lot of cool stuff that I want to buy. The other thing is Xiaomi has like part of its headquarters in Singapore, which is why I get very like excited about some of their stuff because I'm like, oh, I know a lot of people that might work for some maybe. Um, but yeah, no, we will have to pick up this conversation another time. We will have to invite you back when you're not busy as hell, Mr. Mobile. Make longer podcasts. I agree. <laughs> it's fun. I say that as a listener too. Like whenever I'm listening to you guys, I'm like, like, we have to wrap it up. I'm like, why? I have eight hours of filming to do and Aww. I want to listen to you more. Huh, we'll so. talk. I know, I know our producer yeah. Ben is on the call taking notes, <laughs> going like, maybe we will. <laughs> and also we have, we have like other limitations, but nothing, nothing is stopping us from making our own thing. So we will have our own conversation, you, me, and Sam, dot, dot, dot. about what we can do after this. But in the meantime, yo, thank you for joining us today, Mr. Mobus. Always helpful to have your insight as usual. Thank you very much for having me. I love talking to you guys on or off the mic and thanks to everyone behind the scenes as well. And thanks to everyone who was listening. It was, it's really great. I really love coming on the show every time and I, I thank you for the time you've given me. Where can people find your work and you online? The Mr. Mobile is the place to go on YouTube, T-H-E-M-R-M-O-B-I-L-E. And if you want to hear me talking on Twitter, where I talk too much, I'm at Captain Two Phones. It's Captain the number two phones. And uh, is there anything else you want to tell your fans? <laughs> I'm being aggressively shouted at in the chat to say <laughs> the line. So, so absolutely. Um, stay out of New Jersey, my friends. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Sam, I, Sam, I love your state. Your state is, is wonderful. Sherlyn is just a pain. Um, no, I, 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 I want to come visit you both. Thanks, everyone. You're not invited. Stay mobile, my friends. Oh, shit. You ruined the line. <laughs> come on. on. You stepped you on it. Really you do it again. Do it again. Fisher, do it again. Do it again. Stay mobile, my friends.
So let's move on to some other news that happened this week. Uh, something that had a lot of people excited, at least on Twitter, was the iOS 16 beta appears to bring back the battery percentage icon. Sam, you're not an iPhone user. Is that correct to say? Uh, I, I mean, you use them for testing purposes, for comparison purposes, but no, it's not my full-time phone. I have to do it for work too, like you like, like you do. And uh, I have one of the things. Yes, when I compare Android to to iOS, I do think that the battery percentage number that I can enable on Androids is just so much more helpful. I get an idea of when like my phone or how much juice it really has. Although I haven't really missed an actual number on the iPhone, right? Like it's not there. But it is coming back, right? The fifth iOS sixteen developer beta adds a few changes, but also the uh, battery percentage number. And uh, like I said, we said the internet had a big reaction and the big reaction was mainly that everyone thought the implementation was ugly. It was Uggs to the ugly. Um, first of all, the icon was removed in 2017, just FYI, because that's when Apple introduced the iPhone 10, and that was the first phone with that big gigantic notch. So they had so to save very... a little space, and apparently that exactly. meant cutting the, the number indicator? Exactly. So now they're bringing it back because I guess the notch is a little bit smaller on the iPhone 13s. So that might have helped them with bringing it back, although I don't know how it will work on the iPhone 10 that has still the same size notch, but we'll see. Uh, on the developer beta, if you're enrolled, you can use this now. If you go into the settings menu under the battery section, you can turn on the toggle that says battery percentage, um, and it'll change colors based on how much you know juice is left on your phone. Uh, this It's not available on the iPhone 10R, 11, 12, and 13 mini. So I, it looks like something that is you know subjective and well, at least tied to the size of your notch. Sam, have you seen the pictures of this battery percentage indicator yet? Yeah, and it I, I don't think it looks that great. I know, and I think that's like what kind of the big hubbub is that like there's this like half the people just think it's whatever and they don't care. And these probably, you know, that's fine. I think they just like don't care about the changes in general. Um, but to me, like, especially from Apple for a company that really prides itself on design and polish and all that. I just think it kind of looks amateurish. The the numbers, it looks like a cartoon bubble font. And like, and it's also like not all that easy to read. And so like, you know, coming from the Android perspective, it's like, I love being able to see the batteries like um, indicator on the, the lock screen. Cause it's like, oh, I just look at it. I know how much battery I have and I, I don't have to think about it anymore. And that's like, you know, when I switch over to iPhone, I'm looking at it and like, I'm doing like some weird mental math and like the, the icon is already so tiny. It's like hard to tell. And then they added this and it's like, well, now I can tell it just doesn't look great. And it looks out yeah. of place, I think, is the, the big thing to me. It looks like it was sort of awkwardly smashed into the battery uh, shape. And it, it looks like the font might be, excuse me, slightly too big for the for where it's trying to be placed. And I think that that's like a very delicate balance that Apple has to draw between like aesthetic, which would tend to be like maybe a thinner font face, but then actual usability, which means a th bigger, thicker font for people to read from, you know, a distance or if you have like certain visual impairments, you know, there definitely is stuff that Apple has to consider here. I do want to shout out that uh, Dan Seifert from The Verge uh, called the battery life icon big 2011 Android skin design energy. <laughs> it, it feels dated. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty it accurate. It seems old, like more than 10 years ago. So uh, we, I, I think we don't really mind. And it seems like Apple might make changes to this given the widespread reception uh, to this. Uh, so before it actually launches on iOS 16, it's 
entirely possible the company makes changes. But until then, if you have thoughts on this iOS 16 beta battery percentage indicator and how it looks, send us your thoughts, podcastandengadget.com. Moving on, another piece of news that got me kind of shook this week. I was like, whoa. A little bit shook. A little bit shook. Uh, Beats and Kim Kardashian just released a line of skin-colored Fit Pro earbuds. Uh, so basically, there's, these are like Beats's, you know, wireless, truly wireless earbuds. And normally, wireless earbuds are like white, black, blue, red, whatever. This time around, if you're familiar with Kim Kardashian's like line of shapewear at all, it's it or I guess her cosmetics or whatever, um, they come in similar colors. These are neutral tones. They're flesh colored is what some people would call them the 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 thing that's problematic here is that there are only three shades available uh called moon dune and earth and according to like the press release accompanying the the announcement uh, apparently Karda- kim kardashian said uh this will help you either blend in or stand out i don't even how does that work you either blend in or stand out like what yeah, how both. do you do both uh, Sam, so did you see these things? Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen them, and I think so. I, I think the general idea behind it is good because, like, I think you know, for some people, like, they're really into gadgets and they want to show them off and they want people like they want they want to talk about them and like you know, when you want to have conversations about it. And then other people, they want their tech to fade into the background. So I think the idea of having, you know, uh, gadgets, especially earbuds that are, like, on you and, like, they're kind of part of your, like, profile or your face. Like, I think it's really cool to have something that blends in. It's more innocuous. You know, you don't – it just kind of fades into the background and you don't – it's not becoming, like, a topic of conversation. But like you said, I think – three skin tones or three shades mm-hmm. just is not enough mm-hmm. and it seems like the, the weird part is like it seems like she should know that because like you, like you said they have that makeup line um i can't remember if it's kendall or kylie it's like her makeup line like one of the biggest selling points of that originally was like they had expanded support for more skin tones and colors for people with darker skin and so it's like weird that they don't have the same level of support for you know something that should have it i guess I mean, like to to that point, right? If you look at the marketing images that that Beats and Kim Kardashian release, the version that she's wearing, I'm not sure exactly which color, does seem to blend in immaculately with her. Of course, her I mean, they they they, they tuned it just for her, and it looks great. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you know, and like I guess you know, she's three different skin tones through you know, depending on the time of year. So maybe that's why <laughs> they made three different. <laughs> Colors of this, but listen, Rihanna did not launch Fenty and its inclusive range of shades for this to still be happening in the year 2022. I mean, again, like you said, right? Yes, Kylie has her line of skincare. Kim Kardashian has her own skincare and cosmetics line as well. KKW Beauty, I believe, has its own like fairly wide range of shades. Um, And this is just, it's just wild. Maybe it's a manufacturing issue, but... The fact that they left this out. Yeah, I just feel like if if you're going to say we want to support skin tones and a wide range of skin tones for every people, for every person, you you have to back it up. And three three choices of colors is just not enough. Well, in case you're like exactly Kim Kardashian's skin tone and you want to buy this, they cost the same price as the standard Beats Fit Pro. That's $200 uh, in the US, UK, Canada, France, Germany, and Japan. Uh, They'll retail on August 17th, so just under a week from now. And if you want to buy them in person, they are apparently limited to 10 
Apple stores around the world, including Fifth Avenue in New York, Regent Street, I'm assuming in London, and the Champs Elysees um, in Paris, as well as several different like retail department stores. But they're going to be somewhat limited. So, you know, if that's your thing, that's your thing, and you can buy them. Uh, speaking of really quick, I just want to shout out that uh, this week we also saw Urbanista unveil. ANC earbuds, which is active noise canceling earbuds that have a light powered charging case. So, you know, different option for charging. I guess more green energy is good. Sam, you wanted to tell us a little bit about Rivian doing something? Yeah, so we got some electric car news. Um, so the first is Rivian is testing out a dual motor version of the R1S and the R1T. That's the truck and the SUV version of their car. And, you know, theoretically, you know, we haven't, there's nothing concrete yet, but that should lower the price of Rivian. Um, you know, that said, I think up to date, I think they've Rivian sold maybe 10,000 vehicles. So it's nice that there's going to be a more affordable option. But at the same time, Rivian needs to really ramp up production in general, just so people can buy these things and they can deliver them. But I think it's really cool because, you know, not everyone needs four motors on a truck because, you know, you're not, all, uh, you know, off-roading all the time. So a dual motion, uh, motor version is really nice. Um, I, I'd like to see it. Um, and... You know, I think one of the big barriers of entry in general for electric cars is the price. So anything that you can get it closer to more affordable to that, you know, average uh, car price, which I think is around thirty-five dollars to $40,000. And, you know, Rivians start at, I think, uh, around seventy. So anything to bring that price down a little bit uh, should be a good thing. Rivian's been kind of troubled lately, right? I mean, they had there's a lot of hype surrounding them, and then now they seem to finally be pushing out their vehicles to the general public. Yep, and uh, they, they've had to re revise like production forecasts uh, a number of times, both up and down. And so, you know, hopefully they can, you know, hit their stride and you know get actually some more vehicles on the road. I mean, Tesla had that similar issue uh, a while ago too. So I'm, I'm not surprised. It seems like something that a lot of EV companies uh, have to deal with. Uh, there was some other Ford-related news, right? Yes. Uh, and so thank you for the segue. And so for a long time, you know, Ford uh, got into the, the EV game with the, the Mustang Mach-E, and then they came out with the Ford F-150 Lightning. And it was so popular that they had to shut down reservations for a while. So you couldn't even order one. Um, and I think the waiting list is like six months out or even longer. But now um, Ford is reopening reservations. The downside is that uh, they're bumping up the prices between $4,200 and $8,900, uh, $8, depending on the trim level. Uh, trim level. Oh, wow. And so Ford uh, claims that it's uh, citing significant material cost increases and other factors for the adjustment. Um, so it's a little disappointing. That said, like the car market recently has been so like yeah. out of whack that, you know, you yeah. would go to a dealer and they'd be like adding a $10,000 like uh, dealer uh, sticker ad uh, price. To, uh, and, and so you are already getting marked up big. So hopefully, you know, if we have these things and they bump up the price, maybe they can kind of cut out those dealer uh, uh, price increases. And then maybe, you know, we have something, at least you know what the price of the vehicle costs and you don't have to like haggle or worry about some, you know, weird uh, sticker shock. Middleman. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, these, to be clear, the Ford F-150, what, Lightning, these are more like trucks than they are like Yeah, so th this, is, this or... is the EV version of their uh, F-150 truck, which is like, has been wildly popular. It's like one of the been, my, I think it's the best selling car over like the last 20 or 30 years. Um, and so the base F-150 Lightning is now going to start at 46000 which is up $7,000 from the previous base model. 
The mid range is going to start at around fifty nine thousand, uh, which is an increase of about sixty five hundred dollars. And then uh, the top of the line, the platinum extended range, is going to jump up by uh, four thousand dollars to just under a hundred k. Well, I'm not a driver, so you know. This is this is interesting to watch from afar for me. Uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to ask Ford to get one so you can learn how to drive in like a big truck. Oh. If you can drive a big truck, you can drive anything. I'm a, I I I am kind of down for that idea, but we we'll talk offline to, to figure. <laughs> no, that we got we got to do this on uh, camera. We got everyone's got to see this. <laughs> There's already some great footage of me struggling to drive a car. Um, Speaking of struggling, Google Stadia. Hey, hey, remember last week we talked about Stadia being actually alive and not dead? Um, just kind of to, I guess, prove that it's very much alive, um, Google is getting ready to unveil a new party stream feature. This was first reported by XDA developers. Um, it will let players privately broadcast their gameplay to up to nine other users and your other friends can play or along with you uh, instead of just watch. So that's pretty fun. And then you get some party chat features during these streams, like emoji and voice reactions. So uh, pretty interesting. And not a lot really that I want to talk about this feature because it seems pretty straightforward. I just thought it was funny that like we were all speculating whether Stadia is dead last week. And here we are with like new features are coming. And I'm still not sure this is really going to move the needle in terms of like people trying to decide between Xbox Cloud Gaming, like NVIDIA GeForce Now and Stadia. I think exactly. the bigger issue is like, you know, library and content and, and just even marketing to a certain extent, because I feel like, yeah. you know, you see, you know, Xbox constantly pushes Game Pass, which includes support for, you know, cloud gaming. And NVIDIA is like, you know, obviously well known on the PC gaming land site. And then like Google Stadia is kind of off in their own corner doing their own thing. And it's like, OK, this new feature is nice, but, it you know, are you going to subscribe to Stadia now? Uh, not so yeah. sure. I, yeah, I, I don't know I would for just this one new feature either. So anyway, we will keep an eye on Stadia. Obviously, uh, we have great gaming uh, reporters that will bring you all the best news. Speaking of people on the team working, hey, this week, I'm going to be working on Samsung reviews. Uh, I will be accepting all of your questions about Samsung's devices that I have, like the Flip 4 and the Galaxy Watch 5s. Send me your questions uh, as I review these things on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe, or I guess wherever else you can reach me. Uh, Sam, what are you working on other than the Fold 4? Oh, so surprise, surprise. Yeah, working on the Z Fold 4 <laughs> right? is like the main thing. Um, you know, still got a couple other things I can't quite talk about yet. Um, you know, stay tuned for a, a new hands-on video of something else from Samsung that's not a phone um, on Monday. Um, and, you know, kind of working through, you know, all the unpack stuff. Um, that's like, we're, we're, it's like full unpack season. It'll be full Samsung season from now until at least next week. So I, uh, you know, stay tuned. Uh, so when we're, when we finally get a chance to breathe again, I guess, or... You know, before we went into Samsung Madness, uh, what have you been watching, Sam? Oh, you're going you're to spring this on me first. Okay. So, you know, we, we, we were talking about Umbrella Academy, but I think the thing that I really want to dive into this weekend is Prey. I've, I've, this is one of the movies, like, I've heard, like, universal praise for. Everyone says the movie's great, and it's got that, you know, awesome representation. And they're, they're kind of just really supporting the movie kind of an all-around um in a way that I think should be really good. I will have to give Prey a shot. I haven't seen it. I've heard good things about it. Uh, my uh, my pick this week is something I've been very hype about, which is The Sandman on Netflix. Holy crap. I got the alerts. I got everything. Like I knew it was coming, and I started watching it maybe like the day it was released. 
it's been a while since I watched a show on Netflix and like couldn't take my eyes off. Like I just was sucked into the story. I was like, whoa, something really interesting is happening here. So in case you're not aware, the Sandman on Netflix is the latest adaptation of Neil Gaiman's uh, comic series, graphic novel. Don't really know the right word here for that, but basically like an illustrated fiction story about this anthropomorphic character called Dream. Um, <laughs> anthropomorphic? He's like, he's a god. Okay, so we, 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 we've both yeah, been watching deity. this. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yes. Uh, no, no, no. You would explain the story better than I would. Go yeah, ahead. so, I mean, we, we've both been watching it, and I think we yes. both really, really like it. And so this is, yeah. it's, this is Neil Gaiman kind of doing his twist on, like, you know, reimagining the deity. So Dream is the, he's the dream of gods. He, and he has like the siblings and his siblings are like destiny and, um, desire, uh, desire, death, uh, I think is one of them. And so, you know, the kind of premise is that, you know, we have this God and then in the first episode, he gets inadvertently captured by this amateur magician and he sort of loses his powers, um, to a certain extent. And so this is all about kind of him trying to, figure out in some ways who he is and then also regain his powers in a way that, you know, he can rebuild his kingdom because, you know, his kingdom was founded on dreams, but, you know, because he was captured, he wasn't able to maintain his, his kingdom and he wasn't able to maintain his like servants and help them out in a way that was, you know, a little sad. And, you know, you'll, you'll see what happens in the show, but it's been great so far. Like, you know, what, what do you think about, you know, this kind of topic? I love how kind of, whimsical this story has been and it's it's surprisingly whimsical by like i was expecting it to be darker and more suspenseful uh but it actually goes in a lot of different directions i'm a little further along the show than you are we talked about this uh before this episode um i am on episode nine right now and every episode has a different direction i mean there's like an overarching plot of course but dream goes on adventures and and you know we, we get to see deeper into the relationships he has with different characters, like his sister, Death, for example. And Death is played by um, Good Place actor, I forget their name, Baptist Kirby, lots of combinations of words that I can't remember right now, and I don't want to do her the disservice of pronouncing it wrong. So uh, great, great performance by a lot of the actors here. And I, I have been really enjoying. Also, the um, there was an article, I think it was on... Vogue or Vanity Fair or something like that. That was like, oh, the return of the emo leading man. Uh, I was like, you were you were very excited a- about this leading man, uh, if I may say so. Eh, eh, you, you may, but I'm just like, I wasn't <laughs> expecting to be into the leading man. I was just like, huh. There's something about this whole like sadness that Dream has got going on, right? Because of of all the the sibling deities that Dream has, you think about desire, despair, death. These are all kind of depressing. Whereas Dream could be either way. Dream could be a nightmare or hopeful. And watching him figure out what direction he should be is is truly is been very interesting. So I I like that sort of stuff. Sam you excited to watch till episode nine, right? Oh, very. Um, and, and it's like, like, like kind of like what you said. Like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm four or five episodes in, and you kind of see, like, you know, he, he starts out really brooding, and then you kind of see, you know, his his kind of personality and his like, you know, emotions start to change a little bit, and so it's really interesting to see that, you know, happen on his journey, and then all on top of that, as he's like, you know, being you know, visiting his other siblings and some of the other deities. I think it's just really interesting to see like 
oh, oh, now we're going down to hell. And it's like, oh, that's yeah. that's a whole new thing. Yeah. The world building is also, and my, one of my favorite things about these types of shows is the world building. And they do a pretty good job with it here. I also want to shout out that the that Dream's voice is just deep, very, very deep. <laughs> exactly how you ex- expect it to be if you like read the graphic novel, which I didn't. And I can't compare very the brooding. differences. Yeah, but it's definitely very brooding. Very Edgar Allan Poe almost. So... Hey, check it out. Clearly both Sam and I like it, and I wouldn't be surprised if when Davindra comes back, he's going to want to talk about Salmon as well. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Sam online at... At Sam Rutherford on Twitter and, of course, on Engadget.com. You can send me your thoughts about the iOS 16 beta in battery indicator, I guess, and any cute animals, as always. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts at podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. That's what it feels like to me, uh, a non-economist with a theater degree who um, just makes YouTube videos.